Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yes, we love talking about closure. Our love of closure is unconditional. <laughs> uh, we, um, we, 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 we want to help other people have as much fun as we are having um, when we're dealing with our programs. Most of our time is spent working on the problem, not working against the language. And closure is a wonderful language that helps us in that. So um, come along and, and, and join us as we talk about closure some more. Yeah, this week we're going to continue to dive into the core, the core of closure. You know, it's core, and so therefore it's maybe less interesting, but it's so essential. We use it constantly. And so we love talking about closure core because some of these some of these pieces, you know, maybe they don't tell you just by looking at them how they might be useful. But but when you start reading other people's code or you get more experience, you start to realize like, oh, I, I didn't know I could use that in that way. And so that's what this whole series we've been doing on Closure Core is all about, is about the key pieces in Closure and how we like to stream them together. Yeah, uh, you know, Python, I think, is the language that prides itself on batteries included. Like everything is there that you need, or a lot of things are there. And and I actually think Closure does a really good job of of providing you a lot of tools in your tool chest and the tool chest that comes with the language so you don't have to reach into other lang- and other libraries um, I mean you do have to reach into the libraries at some point in time but but the core toolkit getting stronger at that just like you know the core of your body if that's stronger then everything else is going to be healthier for sure and so last time we talked about different conditional expressions and we talked about cond and cond p but as you may or may not be aware, cond comes in a, a completely different form, the threading version of cond, which is very similar and yet very different than cond and cond p. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has it has a it has the word cond in it, so you think it's going to behave like cond, um, but it really is a mixture of 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 conditional and threading. And so there's no there's no short circuiting, which is kind of the big uh, the big surprise. Um, I don't know. Maybe they should have called right. it, you know, maybe thread or perhaps thread, you know, or <laughs> yeah. The, the, instead, they call it conditionally thread, <laughs> cond thread, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so with cond, yeah, the big thing with cond is short circuiting, and we seemed confused about this in our last episode because we were. But you can indeed use the value of the expression under scrutiny when you have cond using the the colon uh greater than greater than construct as a well, as a a way of substituting the value in well actually that's only in cond p cond does not oh, have that only in cond p not in cond okay i wonder if cond yes. will eventually grow that feature i think it might be a good idea well <laughs> if anyone is listening <laughs> yeah certainly you can sort of get there with the con threading, which is probably why I never really discovered that feature in con P anyway, because I just ended up using the con threaders. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I was looking at, um, so we, we've talked about threading before and maybe we'll have a whole episode about just how magnificent threading is by itself. Um, 
but I kind of did a, a look in our source code about like what 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 are the different threading macros that we've used, and by far we use of course the the the, the main you know the, the thread first and thread last, and then we use some threaders which we've used before, which is another kind of conditional, and then the the ones that we use the least are these these two that we're talking about today, but to me that means that they are while they're rarely used, they are super useful when they are needed. And so I think that that's an important yes. reason to talk about them. So I didn't I didn't really know how to use them at first, but then there are a couple situations where I think con the con threaders have superpowers. And I would say in general con threading, which which maybe it's evident from its name, but it it very much is about when you have optional operations, right? So so you have some bit of data, you want to operate on it. And and the way you want to operate on it, it well, it depends, Nate. It just depends. <laughs> <laughs> that should that's what it should be called. It should be called the it's depends threader. <laughs> Let's right. come up with all the other names we 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 that are worse than con threader. <laughs> so for example, um maybe there's different parts in that data. So so for example, a lot of times our data structures they're represented like maps. Even even if you do like a def, re- def record within closure, you still get to treat it like a map. And a common a common situation I know we find ourselves in is where we have an optional key in that map. That key may be there, it may not be there. And so depending on the existence of that optional key, we might want to do something to the subtree. Right. And so cond is a very it's it's a very nice way because you you have an expression and you you want that expression to return the data. So no matter what happens, like you want that to return the data. So cond is nice because whatever you threaded in and thread through is the thing that comes out. But maybe you only want to do an operation if that optional key exists. And so you find yourself writing this code where you're like, okay, if optional key exists then do this operation. Otherwise, you know, just return the reference to the thing itself that you started with. But with con, you can you can make that a lot more concise. You know, con thread. You just say con arrow, and then the data, and then you do your conditional for whether that thing exists, and then your operation. Right. So so it tightens it up a little. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the reasons why I like con the con threading so much. Like it's one of my like I like juxt a lot too for the same reason. It's like one of those like superpowers that makes things a lot shorter, but without 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 losing it it's sh- it's shorter and easier to understand, which are not two things that go hand in hand usually in in development. Um I think in the past before I was I really got used to using the con threaders, I would use a lot of if like a lot of um uh statements in a uh, a let block. And so I would basically be rebinding a variable and then have like a, a, a conditional inline to, to, to optionally, you know, change that thing. Um, and it's, it's a lot harder to understand, but if you have it in a con threader, like the, the example that popped in my head is we have, sometimes we have data that comes out of Mongo and there's, there's keys that are sometimes in there. And the actual value is a, a binary, uh, like encoded with nippy. And we want to, we want to, we want to, you know, uh, thaw that data. <laughs> well, you don't want to thaw data if it's nil, and so you basically, you, you, by using the con threader, you can only operate on the data if, if it exists. That's right. If you try to thaw nil, what happens? Is that like dividing by zero, or does does the infinite universe fold in on itself? I don't know. It opens up a black hole in your computer, and that's not good. But but definitely, we can say don't thaw nil. <laughs> <laughs> 
nil is not frozen. Nil is nothing. If yes, yes. <laughs> What's a serialized form of nothing? Uh, nothing. <laughs> if you get nothing from this episode, <laughs> that's what you should get. <laughs> But but definitely, and so you, you start to see how it's useful if you have two optional keys, for example, right? Because then otherwise you have two nested ifs inside of each other where one branch is just returning the thing intact and the other branch is operating on it. And, and so definitely when we have a data structure, we have a data, a tree of data where we have optional parts that cond threading is really useful for applying operations to those optional parts. But the other kind of options we have sometimes is options that we pass into functions that control how they behave. And so that's really nice, too, because then the expression can be more, instead of the the conditional expression being about the structure of the data, the conditional expression is like which options were turned on in the options map that was passed in. And depending on which options were turned on, then you run different expressions on that data. And so, so your options map is controlling the total operation that is being performed on the data. Right. The the operation that happens on the data is just the regular either thread first or thread last. Like there's just, it's like, it's it's straightforward, but if there's a, a portion of it that you want to make optional um, and that whole body is in a function, passing along the, uh, the, 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 the flags to that function makes it so that whenever you call that function, it's really succinct and, and you can tell uh, like what what version of this of this cake do I want? Like here's here's the five different toggles I can do, and oh it's this it's this kind of cake or that kind of cake. Um, but right. all of the processing is common. Right, right. You have a flag like has icing, and if it does, then you call the function apply icing. And if it <laughs> if it doesn't have icing, well then hey you you don't call the function apply icing. <laughs> But I like how you put that. It's uh, it's nice to be able to make functions that are kind of like recipes, right? Like recipe processors. Sometimes we need to roll up data. That, like, we do this a lot in testing. Like we want to roll up different variations of data because we want to test a bunch of variations. For example, data that has optional keys. <laughs> and so it's nice to be able to have like a, a quick little mini declaration declarative you know set of map options like like you 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 put options in a map and like hey roll the data this way bake the cake that way and and so cond is nice to go okay which options exist and oh okay i'll merge these values in because because you want oh include player information great i'll i'll merge the made up player information or and so on and so forth yeah i think i think it's really like i I, I use it. I use them a lot in fiddle code, where I'm I'm basically playing around with data because a lot of times, when I when when you're when you're investigating, you kind of go down a couple of dead ends, and you got to reverse and go back into and go into go down another direction. And when you do that, if you've made functions that are only can only process data in one way, then you're you're kind of trapped there. You have to write whole new functions from scratch. And so, being able to make those to parameterize the processing inside those functions using the args, but then using these con threaders uh, really makes it more flexible so that you can explore the data better. Yeah, uh, another example I dug up that's in this vein is I was writing um, some code that built up a command line to execute, you know, in in Linux. Actually, you know, call exec uh, through process and and run, run this command. 
And so I wanted to be able to specify all the command line options as as maps, you know. And so then then that gave me data that gave me data I could reason about in the program. You know, it's like, oh, is the port specified or not? You know, is is the um is the host IP specified or not? Are we just gonna default to localhost or whatever? And so so then the nice thing is cont can go through each of the map options. And so it starts with like an empty list of the command line options. And then for each of the map options, each of the map entries that existed, it'll be like, oh, well, there's a there's a key in the map called port. So let me go ahead and let me concatenate a port that, you know, dash dash port and then a number, you know, as a string, I guess, to the list of command line options. And then there's uh, another option called host. And so let me add dash dash host and then, you know, host name or et cetera, et cetera. So, I, so it, it allowed me to take a map to specify all the configuration information for this command line thing I was calling and then kind of pass that into a function and then get the actual command line uh, vector to exec out in the operating system. Yeah, no, that's a really good yeah, the the idea of building up a data structure conditionally. Uh, the the example that comes to mind is my con- connection to Kafka options map uh, has a bunch of keys in it, and sometimes I want to have those keys in there or not. Like for instance, if I'm doing SSL or not, and so when I'm building that map up, I want to it, when I when I get to the point where I I will or won't include. Um, SSL options, I want to be able to do that optionally without having to have a whole another section of the code just for that one option. Um, I think uh, one of the things you said earlier, and I, and I, and I want to echo it again, is there's like, if you have a, a function that has an if at the top, and then the two branches of the if are mostly the same, you might have a good case for doing cond p, sorry, cond threader, um, because you can actually take those common ones and put them in the con threader uh, because as long as you have something that evaluates the true or not false, I guess would be the better way of putting it, uh, it'll evaluate the branch. And so I've gotten in the habit of doing things like, uh, like if I want to do an operation every single time and then optionally do a second thing, like my first conditional will just be the keyword always or keyword first or something like that. So it evaluates the true and so it'll always do that branch and then it'll optionally do the second branch. And so it's really easy to see in that list of operations which ones are going to always happen, which ones are, are are actually optional. Yeah, definitely. You just can put that keyword as a literal and and you can make it whatever whatever set of words you want to make it read well for the humans that are reading the code and care. <laughs> like always or and then. <laughs> And so it's it's nice to be able to do that, especially <laughs> if sometimes you have a conditional operation you need to do first, like let's say deserialize an optional key, and then you have another operation that you want to do in all cases, and then you have another conditional operation after that. So you can you can put that always case wedged in in the middle of those two conditional things, and so so it's a neat trick that you can use with any any of the con varieties of just using a keyword because it's a a keyword is true. Yeah, it really it really again to reiterate it it makes it a, a concise but still readable 
Um, and actually, I, I, in my opinion, it's clearer than having a bunch of nested ifs or putting the the optional things up in the let block, because then you're you're basically doing all the operations in one in one clear list, and so there's the order of those operations is the order that you see them in your code. And anytime yeah, the code the reflects con- the actual <laughs> the actual pro- order of processing is better. <laughs> right, cond like like cond thread like the the cond varieties you know its goal is to get rid of nesting and and if you think about it actually thread is also its goal is to get rid of nesting so it you you have two good reasons to get rid of nesting with cond thread <laughs> we got to preserve those parentheses man and speaking of thread the the one that maybe we use the least but it is surprisingly useful when when it comes in handy is conthread last. A lot of these cases we use conthread first because we're dealing with maps with optional parts and and so conthread first is is more useful in that case. But conthread last is very nice for this very specific use case where you want to apply optional list operations. For example, filters. So that's the one where yeah. it comes up for us. So we make a function that takes a list and a set of a set of options like filtering options, you know, that you can turn on or off. And and maybe we have them expressed as filtering options because they come from a user choice, an end user choice, or or something like that. And so then depending on which filtering options are enabled, well, then you thread it through a filter expression that applies that filter. And so it allows you to once again kind of make bake a cake like you're saying whereas in this case the cake is is the right set of filtering the right set of list operations depending on a set of configuration flags. Yeah, and I think the the key is we don't know <laughs> when we write the code which options are going to be on and off. I mean if we knew which ones we wanted we would just write we would just include those. But the point is we are giving the user or someone else or someone later <laughs> uh, the, the 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 choice of how to how to um, affect the 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 conditional operations and this gets back to what I was talking about with uh, with fiddle code where I'm, where I'm exploring where I kind of go a bunch of different directions and I need to, need to change so in that case the user is you know me but it's I'm trying I'm, I need to decide at a later point in time which of those operations to 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 enact uh, like the thing that comes to mind is when I was processing a bunch of you know we work with esports data and I was working working with a bunch of game data so I had a, I had a collection of games and I had a, a function that would go through and do some processing to each one and then it would add some validation information like you know are these games valid and I wanted to get all of that all of that data but then so, optionally sometimes I wanted to get all of the games that were valid or I just wanted all the games. And so I had a flat, just an additional parameter to the function where I just, if I pass false, then I would get all the games. And if I pass true, then I get just the games that were valid. And so I had a con threader, which was basically always doing all the operations except for at the end. It would check to see whether I wanted all the, the just the valid games or not, and it would run a filter. And so I was the one who was changing my mind later, you know. And so it again, the optional list operations is really powerful. Yeah, so another example is we have some code that g- tallies up a bunch of statistics by player, and we want to uh, have different situations that filter it, filter the total. So if, so if we want their entire statistics for 
every game that was ever played. You know, we feed the whole list of everything in, and then we get the, the, the totals out. But if we want to filter it by games that were played just in a specific phase of the season, then we can provide the phase, and then we'll filter it by phase. Or if we want the filter to just limit it to games played against a specific opponent, we can pass that in, and then it will go, oh, okay, that's an option. So then we could have a specific phase and a specific component. So you could think of it as like building up your own little query language, right, where you have all your options as keys in a map, and and then a user chooses the values, or the programmer even could choose the values, <laughs> and then you're you're able to apply that query language, that selection language, um, by by using cond thread last to selectively invoke these filter expressions based on the options that were specified in this map as a query. Yeah, you said you you, you yeah. we've gotten all this all this way, and I have, haven't said this yet before, but it's almost like you have a little DSL, a little like a, a small language for 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 being able to affect that that computation. And and I think right. it's really and, powerful. Yeah, and you could like as a programmer, and I th- I think this is a key point. Like you, you you said this before, but I think it just bears repeating. If you know what the right way to roll it is, like what the right way to roll up the computation is, well, then each of those little parts is a function. You compose all the functions. You you know you either use straight up composition or you thread them, however you want to compose them, and then you make your composite compu- computation that way. But Cond is about what conditions, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And so in this case, a lot of times <laughs> it's options coming from the user, right? And so what's great is it allows us to build up this little domain-specific query language and then operate at that level for the most part and then throw it over the wall to something that can then use all the individual functions in the right way, depending on what was enabled, in order to compute the final calculation. Yep, yep, definitely. The, the Both of these functions allow you to thread conditionals through your computation instead of having your conditionals in one place and your computation elsewhere. It allows you to put them together in a way that's really concise. And uh, I think that... Yes. So in general, in general, if you think of Cond, right, it's, it's this whole idea that you're building up an expression or 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 playing out a sequence of operations where there is some kind of variation that matters right so it's a variation of like prescribed options like options specified by the user or variations of the structure of the data you're processing itself or both of those together but but you you want to play out a sequence of operations on a bit of data or build up an expression uh you know in parts Based on these variations, yeah, they're they're not they're not used a lot, but when they are needed, they're very useful, and so we see why they're in core. Um, there's 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 a lot of good nuggets in core, and uh, and that doesn't mean that they're not used all that they they're used all the time, but they they are they are useful enough to to be included in the tool belt. I think uh, I think uh, do I have do you have anything else to talk about with Cond or should we oh. I was just going to yeah, say if you have your favorite use of con or if you found a way that to use the con threaders in, in a way that we haven't talked about or if you have found the way we have been talking about to also be extremely useful, we would love to hear from you. 
Yeah, definitely. Please uh, send us a tweet at Closure Design on Twitter. An email to feedback at Closure Design will find us and we will respond, I promise. Uh, or you can go over to the Closure and Slack and hop into the Closure Design dash podcast channel and, um, and we'll chat there. Uh, please give us examples and we will start threads and talk about them. Yes, we will thread the conversation <laughs> in the Slack channel. That's for sure. And uh, if you would like to get the notes for this episode, see our past episodes and the notes for them, go to closuredesign.club and get all the closure design things there. All right. I think that's all we have to say about closure this year. Have a happy holiday and a happy new year, and we will see you in the next year. Thanks for listening. <laughs>